0: Hey podcast listeners, welcome to episode 29 of Misfits. This is where I speak to the rebels, the outliers, and unconventionals in Singapore. Trying to see things as how they see it and to learn from them. So some of these individuals include Claire Chung, the co-founder of Banyan Tree Resort, taking soon with the architect behind People's Park Complex, Adrian Pong, and a whole lot more. And today on the show, I have uh, a special guest. They are a couple, namely Lim Tersheng and Huang Ning. So many of you might not have heard their name before just because both of them are pretty low-key, but their achievement has just astounded me and I had to reach out to them. So Lim Tersheng is currently a private investor, venture advisor uh, with Jungle Seed Plus and a board member with several organizations. Uh, Huang Xiaoning is the managing partner of Hub Ventures Fund and a partner at Entrepreneur First, the world's leading company builder. Together, they are the co founders of Jobs Central Group and manage a regional portfolio of 17 angel investments in startups. So Jobcentral grew from a two-man startup back in the days into an organization with 150 employees over a period of 14 years. In 2011, Jobcentral was then acquired by a career builder, making it one of Singapore's largest tech exits at that time. And um, they did all that while raising a family of four kids. So, I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Uh, we spoke a lot about how to discern good advice from noise, strategies for hiring and managing talents, effective communication between a couple, and much, much more. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, Lim Te and Huang Xiaoning. So, I think to give some context to both me and my listeners, maybe we'll just have both of you talk a little bit about your childhood growing up. You know, um, maybe, Tershen, you want us to go ahead to start first? Mm.
1: Childhood not switched Childhood, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, childhood you start first, you start first.
2: So, childhood, um, I'm born Taiwanese, so I came here, I mean, I was happily growing up in Taiwan, um, and then my parents decided that they they are moving to a different country because my dad was sent here for an assignment. And then after that, he decided that he liked it here and he s- decided to stay on and started his own uh, business textile. And that's how the whole family moved here. And so when did you? Eight seven. When you how? I was twelve. That's why I. I say actually, for teenagers who move from a different environment, especially it's a totally different language environment. I started learning ABC literally, yeah. So from a very, I was just telling the boys last night, I was very extroverted, very active. Then I came to Singapore because I can't say a word right in school, so I became completely quiet. So it's a big personality change. Then, uh, then after that, but because of English, I couldn't start as a sec one, so I, I fell back two years, so I'm seventy five. Yeah, so I, I'm 75 but I studied together at 77, so because the recommendation by the principal then was instead of studying P6, you fall back by a year, um, PSL a year is not healthy. So fall back to P5 instead. So it was a quite adjusting period. So psychologically, emotionally, it was quite tough and then. But I guess it made me a very independent person because my parents don't speak English. So I had to figure out the education system, I had to figure out everything. So I became very much um, like a little adult that I controlled everything because I figured everything out and make decisions for myself from then on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, then after I go into schools here, then mm-hmm. after A-level, went to the US and that's where I met him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I met say- the ship. Shen-
0: how would you say, you know, like, growing up um here both in taiwan and both here in singapore like what would be the stark difference between uh, both of them and yeah it seems like i mean in singapore it becomes quite like uh, because you don't speak the language and it's hard to make friends and it's probably not as um uh, vibrant <laughs>
2: um so life was very um growing up lives become very uh introverted in general. So I I literally would spend time going to the comic shop with my mom and my brother. So I really grew up with the comics and then the library books. So library was actually a good thing. I read a lot of books from the library and then the comics. And I spent most time at home right after school. So I was a very good girl. I will come home straight away after school. RBS was very, was, was good. Then RJ was tough because the culture was very different. Then after I went to the US... Um, Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. I went to Michigan. Um, it was like letting the animal out of the cage. <laughs> so it wasn't really quite wild. And it was really... For once, even though I was quite independent, I think I was still a very controlled person. Mm. But I think when it got to the US, really carefully, it was really careful. It was really careful. Yeah.
0: And Tessing, uh, you want to shed some light? the <laughs> <laughs>
1: different. So I was born and bred Singapore. Uh, so... I think very, quite a simple boy. Like, I remember primary school, basically, I'm uh, like my third kid. I just want to play, um, don't really like to study very hard. Uh, didn't do well also for the first three years until I got a Very badly by my mum. My then, then I started to do well. So it was just a matter of putting effort I guess, right? And then...
2: Put the record, my mother-in-law never cane. Yeah. She was <laughs> so only the, chasing yeah, after... In the in inside,
1: she told me she never hit me. She was just chasing me round and round the table with a cane. But it, it worked la. Uh, I got really... Oh, okay. uh, on board with the studying thing at Right, but tree. your But the picture in your head was. Uh, uh, Chase round and round, let's get out of course. Right, okay, okay. Tree, so I was this <laughs> girl boy, uh, just everyday play. I, I remember I read a lot, read right? Dragonlance, and you it know, um, wasn't so stressful back then, I think, in primary school. Um, So then, uh, that's primary school, that's what I remember mainly.
0: Um, primary is the turning point, is that what it is?
1: Because my mother was very fierce at that, yeah, that time and then because I was getting second last in class uh, it's, it's not not average uh, and then um, what happened was I think also at that year I, I was caught for short So I think that year she thought I was going to hell already. So it became very fierce to me. And it worked. Uh, so after that my grades really went up. By the time primary six I was third in class. Yeah so I started to do better and better. Um, so that's primary school. Then secondary school I went to Chinese high. Uh, again at that time it wasn't that hard to get in because nine young people had advantage I think. Right? Um, so so anyway, um, Chinese High was fun. I think best years of my schooling life, right? Uh, except university. Uh, university is the freedom thing uh, different. Right? But uh, Chinese High was fun uh. So all my good friends are from Chinese High and Lanyang up uh, to now. Um, I think the one big thing during that period, again I was very happy go lucky, I wasn't a high achiever. Uh, I just do not do nothing all day long, play ends, watch sunsets, right? Uh, <laughs> join Taekwondo which was the most one of the most slack like, uh, CCAs you can do, right? Uh, so basically, the tone is slack where I can, and then uh, but I still did well, Because uh, I I think that lesson was in my head already, right? So
0: um, how much how much studying did you you know? Because it seems seems like
1: yeah, with the minimum I do. I'm the type that that's why I'm very cut up on entrepreneurship I do what is needed to get it done, but not more. Right. Yeah. So, so so I think Ling can attest to that, especially you uni, the way I study, it's really bare minimal. So so after that, um, I think the main thing during my childhood that shaped me was uh, after when I went to Hua Chong, I enjoyed debates. Uh, so debating really changed me in a big way, in the sense that it made me more extroverted, uh, or at least made me very willing to sell. And it got me a lot more eloquent. So I think that's um, very necessary uh, if you are a sales type founder. Is there
0: a reason you uh, joined debating?
1: Oh I was just good at talking. Man. So by then, uh, I talked, I had this good friend that we just talk rubbish all day long. Type. Yeah, yeah. So so we did that. And we did very well. And JC, we were first in the whole Singapore. So we, we, we were the champions for the whole country. Uh, yeah. And so that was very good experience. Um, yeah, that's about it. La. That's childhood. Yeah, And so,
0: yeah. Uh, both of you ended up uh, and met each other over in the University of uh, Michigan yeah. and Harbour, right? And uh, what are the odds, too? Singaporeans, you know, going there. And, you know, Shauning, you were studying uh, business finance and international uh, business, correct? But you
2: found that out that much.
0: <laughs> oh, I need to do my due diligence. And that's you're doing engineering, lah. Yeah. Um. Did you? I mean, is there a reason why you guys both choose the university specifically? Because it sounds like there's two different things that you know.
1: Uh, so for me, I I chose that because it was one of the universities that the scholarship boards would give you scholarships for. Um, the other reason is because the form was the easiest to fill. Uh, Michigan's form is a two pager, if I remember correctly. We've just referenced
2: that. No, that's an essay we need
1: to write. But but it's a standard essay they wrote for all the unis anyway. So the the amount of effort to add in Michigan is very little right, comparatively. Yeah, uh, compared to any of the other American use, uh, it's very hard to fill. And very long form. And um, then I remember reading that Madonna was from Michigan. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 then uh, the other thing is. Um, yeah, yeah, their scholarship boards approve Michigan, so they, for engineering they approve only a certain number of universities. So you have to pick those universities, yeah.
0: In the
2: for me it was more of, because the, 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 the teenage years in Singapore was very tough and I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to go away from this environment. So actually I was going to, Michigan actually take in graduates after O level. But we need to do a bit more programs. So I actually got in after my O level. But my dad didn't allow because he said "Uh, you're still too young, da da da. And then so I waited two years after I finished my A level. Then I went, um, and at the time when I chose the school, so I got in a few schools then, but that school, because it's the Midwest, uh, so one thing my counselor told me that uh, it's a school where you could, you you have both sports, both sports and academic. So it's a, it's a vibrant school and the other thing is actually at the time he said that um, if you do not, you yeah. want to have minimum interaction with Singaporeans, Malaysians or Asians in general, that would be the school to be in. But we oh, didn't explain. Yeah, the right, yeah. no, so that was a year where um, there was some change in the scholarship system in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I found out on hindsight what we were doing one of the product, like 10 years later from one of my clients that was actually the year that the scholarship board made the change. So all the engineering scholars were transferred to that school. So before that, there were less than 50 uh, Singaporeans, Malaysians on campus. It's a, it's a campus town. Um, but then that year alone was 120 plus Singaporeans. So I was like, during orientation, I was like, oh, well, this was this not, what not what I signed up for. <laughs> but to but put that, in context,
1: it's yeah. a school of 30,000 people. Right? 50,000 50, people. So it's actually still not a lot. It's a
2: huge school. was, but it was like oh, yeah, the school is gigantic. The school is gigantic. So, yeah. so actually, just more orientation. But then after that, I think the the school. So I when I went there for four, I really fell in love with the school. I think it's really beautiful. The the yeah, sky, nice the kind of blue, yeah. the kind of. I think of American
1: red uh, university That's not right? yeah, yeah. yeah, and, and this yeah. is a midwestern university, oh. so it's. Uh, uh, but it's not a mm-hmm. typical midwestern in a sense. Very. Um, Totally there right? Mm, this one is yeah. still at least quite cosmopolitan.
2: Yes. Uh, it's a
1: relatively well off town, so we actually have proper restaurants, food. I'm a foodie, yeah. Singaporean, right? Yeah, there's even northern Indian food that is very decent. Yeah, shalima, I, remember, I, remember yeah, I remember the. the, yeah. the, the, the so the thing is, we turned out
2: and hang out a lot with all the Singaporeans and Malaysians. We went there for the curry. Yeah. That, what? <laughs> the, 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 the
1: shalima. Yeah. The shalima, the,
2: the, it was that spicy we had the Malaysian. So one merchant generation
0: guy perspiring in in, in you know, because of the, the spiciness. Wow! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess um, let's go straight into the million dollar question. So, uh, what is the love story of the engineer who met the uh, businesswoman? And this one maybe I'll have uh, Xiaoning say yourself the story, and then uh, Tershing you can fill in the gap uh, uh, if need be.
2: <laughs> so I think I I can't. I think we met during the orientation thing, but then I only realized that he was interested in me because we started, there was like a group of us who would hang out at the Shalima. undergraduate library. No, the Shalimar was a lot better term. I thought he was interested in this other girl because he invited us. He invited a whole table of boys for his 21st birthday, and then there were like two of us, two girls, and it was because he asked me to invite this other girl, so I thought he was interested in that girl. So I, I was my like I was, was a wingman. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I was like the wing yeah, woman. Okay. this other friend of ours uh, was interested. Yeah. yeah. I think at the ugly, the undergraduate oh, library like, oh, really, oh, all oh, the time, oh, and then oh, I was struggling oh, with oh, this oh, course oh, called the oh, Great Book. So he was taking another course that's actually using the same textbook, the Great Civilization. Mine was a Great Book. He was a yeah. Greek, Greek Civilization. The same thing, same thing, ah. thing. So you got to study Homer, Iliad, and stuff like. That. I was like. <laughs> I really was struggling And he helped me a lot Yeah <laughs> yeah That's how We start having Alone time And then things just evolve From there I guess yeah.
0: <laughs> And then And then the Evolve part
2: Hey evolve Then we started hanging out We started start dating Yeah
0: And then Oh but what was What's the transition between Hang out as students And hang out as You know
1: It just happens naturally right? So I, I, I always I, I felt I, I remember She was the Vice president Of the
2: of Students. the student, of the Singapore yeah. Student
1: Society, and then I was the editor in editor or something that producing the constitution.
2: The, wrote I wrote the whole for constitution
1: for the society. Still oh, in wow. CIA, Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so uh, I remember thinking that wow, this lady very very good, very strong will. So she's a very strong lady, very alpha, right? Like, which which works for me. Was so, there anything that she do there? Oh, she's yeah. just very alpha, like, In general, you you can you can figure it out when you talk to her a bit more. Yeah. So I, I'm. Yeah, so I thought that was very attractive, right, um, because I thought she was quite hot, so yeah, <laughs> that's okay. very important, right, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm hear this. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 so then then it just, yeah, got together, right, yeah, um, the other thing that is interesting that, that attracted me, I think, was the fact that I think Shaolin is very different from me in terms of different yet same, right, because the She's more traditional, brought up in the Taiwanese environment, so it kind of works because it appeals to my very Chinese high side. But actually, if you know me, I'm extremely liberal and westernized in my thinking. Um, so it's a very interesting combination, and I think that is the combination up to now is still interesting. She'll still tell me that, don't you realize that Asians think this way that, or Chinese we are like that? And you know, then I I do then I realize I do know that because I'm from very Chinese schools, right? But at the same time I school myself in very westernized thinking. So
2: it's a very fun thing. So I think the end of it is we so we study in cafes, so almost every night there will be some argument about something. It's just uh, topics that are different. So it's just different views that we were. So at the time I just maybe that's why you feel that alpha. It's just a way that I have to make sure that he understood my view.
0: But, but he was a better debater then
2: yes he's a better so, debater then so that's also the time that no, I but, but
1: you don't win these debates always so different yeah. viewpoints so the interesting is like for example she you tell me like I believe I'm very strange I, I believe in respecting people, older people but I don't believe in respecting people for the sake of it well actually we're going to and yet, yeah. and yet if you are from a more traditional mindset Chinese mindset you actually are ingrained to respect for the sake mm. of it yeah um so now, interestingly, 20, 30 years on, I think our answer is in between, right? i yeah. moved towards her he step, she has moved towards my step, That yeah, not right. everyone deserves respect, right?
2: Yeah. So it's yeah. very interesting. Right? So I used to believe that because simply because people are older than me, yeah. it's a Taiwanese thing, right? You, you must must people say, yeah, you, must keep face. you must listen, you yeah. must not uh, question. So in fact, I just shared a post on my Facebook about people, you can have to question them where they are coming yeah. from from their viewpoint, which... It's very against my grain because we are taught to just listen, respect, never question.
0: Actually, you know what? Why don't we, we jump into that uh, a little bit? Because um, I think that's very, very relevant uh, right now, right here in uh, this society where um, this elderly you know, is uh, being put on a pedestal and whatever they're saying um, is sort of maybe like better or... I don't know what was the... Yeah, better maybe just a general word on that, right? So I guess... Um, maybe you'll have your general take on how um, do you frame this um, thing and if you were to teach someone this or teach your younger self this right how would you you know teach this piece of knowledge to that person and whoever you think you all want to take a step I
1: think like I said I think the answer is in between I I used to be very black and white type of person meaning that you know and, and in a sense I think it was very arrogant thinking Right, that you don't deserve anything other than anybody else unless you have proven yourself in some way that I can read about or I can understand about. So age has got literally nothing to do with it. Um, but now over the years, I realized that there is an intrinsic dignity of a human being. And, and this comes from you, right? From, from the, and, I, and that therefore, there has to be a certain level of respect given to everybody just because they exist. Uh, and I think that's a much nicer way to live life and more meaningful even if you extend it to everybody else having the same philosophy, it works. Um, I think that's a philosopher's, Immanuel Kant's thinking, right? Um, yeah, you, it has to be extended to everyone else and if it still works, then that's a correct philosophy. Yeah, that's my take. La. So the answer is in between already. La.
0: Maybe, maybe Shawning, I'll have you share your story with your with your dad a little bit. Uh, and then to give some context, then we we'll use that to extrapolate into how this philosophy will work on that situation. Um, I think I, I was reading on the, the uh, one article. Oh, okay, I don't trust anything on the internet, but but let me just fact check that with you. Um, um, you had you have the same thing uh, that uh, the elderly thing with your dad, and uh, and then you have overcome that. Um.
2: Okay, so so it's more of because I mean that one is actually a bit more complicated. So maybe because of that. Father daughter relationship. So that one is a bit more complicated than this one. I would say but that. I think really, it's the same thing with not like elderly, um, respecting
1: no. elderly too. You know. No, no. no a, uh, father and son or father and daughter. There's, it's, added
2: it's, there's an other dimension yeah, okay. to it. So in general, I use belief that um, because we're told, right, um, you got to listen, you've got to respect. And there's in the Chinese, in the, I would say Taiwanese, I realize it's culturally quite different nowadays. The The belief. There certain traditions that we carry out and we, when I was then, I was young, I just basically just follow, never ask why is it that. And so it's it was ingrained in me to behave that way. So when I first heard about his view, I, I thought that that was very wrong, that was very arrogant. It, it's not just heard about, I behave that way. He so, behaved that yeah, way. So meaning very that if you stuck. don't
1: impress me, I, I yeah. can't be bothered with you. Yeah,
2: yeah. He, was, he was that extreme. So I guess at the time it was... I think when we started hanging out together, it wasn't just about hanging out, it was also part of the feeling that I just want to see how this guy behave and is it really that way? <laughs> it was just, so there was actually a lot of friction. Yeah, we were literally on very heated negotiations most of the time. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> shows the typical insensitive. Yeah, but, but it was it was it was interesting in, in that sense. Then then and then it evolved until now. I start to I start to, I guess, also because of the business make a person mature a lot faster, and I realized that um, it it made me see things in a different way. And I have to because you have to start to lead right very fast when we started hiring people, and you have to set the tone in the office
0: and make decisions and make decisions uh, really fast. You start to
2: actually a lot of time is more of really just product level decision, business level decision, Mm. people related decision only came much. It kind of like part of the package, but it's, it made me realize he was right with that in the sense that some people are just not worth their song. But I, I'm not to the level of really outright question. I will be at, at the back of my mind really just evaluating and engaging. I wouldn't say judging, but gauging and I would actually... So now this is how I, I, I try to share with my teenage boys about um, you need respect. But you cannot be. You you need to question in a in a amiable way. You need to question in a in an acceptable way. You don't challenge for the sake of challenging. Yeah, you challenge for the sake of your understanding. But you have to be very mindful of the way you execute that questioning. Yeah. Okay, then,
0: maybe let's, let's... Uh, on, uh, What would be a, what would be a good example of things said? Uh, okay, you should eat more rice. Can you use that? How about that as example? Um, Or or you should go to university. That's very popular. Okay, so like, uh, uh, I'm the elderly, although I'm not. (laughs) Channing, you should go to university, you know? And how would you...
2: I would... So it's more of personal implication for that statement, right? So I would put it on myself to see whether I agree or I disagree. But my current stance is more of it's something that trains the mind not <sighs> for the sake of that paper. It's good training for the analytical mind. Right.
0: And, and, but um, how would you respond to my uh, advice?
2: Um, also depends on how it's delivered, right? So sometimes that is the, the, the attitude of, I know better than you. And so if the person has an attitude that really, I would challenge that.
0: Oh, correct, correct. So yeah. but the, the question is always, I think. I think we all figure that we are all alpha here, and 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 and. But then we we did talk. You brought up a little bit about the a challenging tactfully part. So I think I want. I just kind of want to bring that into like how would you phrase a question, or so you know, so that people know like where to
2: go. I will ask where that stand come from and why they feel that way, mm. and then why is it something that you're imposing? Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's a little bit. Wrong. Yeah. So why is it something? So it's it's a it's a belief that the person is thinking for the benefit of the recipient. I think that's fair. But if it's not, then I want to understand. So it's having to understand the rationale behind the statement. And say, for
0: example, the rationale is is wrong, right? And, yeah. Uh, which is maybe your rationale is I want is for the knowledge. Right. Uh, hey, the paper is yeah. very important. Which
1: might through be true right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, how would you do you actually tell the other elderly person
1: that? So, what I've learned, and this came from her, is to just you can't change how people think and you can't change behavior. So, they can, you know, if there are people, last time, if it's somebody like that, if you tell me a neutral statement that I can't be bothered, like it wouldn't bother me. But if you are making a statement that affects me, for example, I've had older guys. Um, 50, 60 year old, kind of doing business, not very big businesses, and they come and tell me that, oh, Singapore's going to die in five years. I remember this many, many years ago, right? And then telling me that, you know, you should get out of Singapore fast, right? And the fact is, at that time, our business was growing 40% a year. I can't see it slowing down at all, right? So, the old me would argue and say, point to evidence, blah blah, blah," and just try to prove that they are wrong, right? Her point are winning an argument. But now I realize there's no point. Let them do their thing. Let them go overseas. If they succeed, good for them. If they fail, then they'll, they'll know they're wrong. That's life. right? There's no point trying to change people. So in a sense, it's also respecting them, in a sense, because I'm not going to argue with you anymore, la, right? It's, so you say okay? No? Yeah, I'll just say, oh yeah, okay. no, I won't even say okay, but okay means I agree, right? And I'll just I you know, say okay, yeah, fair, fair enough, good point, your point of view. I won't even bother to say my point of view, right? Because you can't convince people on things like that. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, I think.
1: I think, I think that's age yeah. talking, right? That's yeah, that's age
0: talking. But also, I feel that that's very tactical too, because you don't engage, and if you, when you don't engage, you, the, the, the time spent being, being, um, uh, I guess, struggling with this, you know, trying to change the person. One of the questions that I love to ask is that what evidence do I need to show you in order to prove you otherwise?
1: can't most people can't be proven if, otherwise if, then,
0: then if, they, if they if they if they if they don't have a good answer for that then they, it probably shows that they don't want to be proved wrong otherwise right versus this is more to discern who wants to be proven wrong.
1: Fair,
0: fair, yeah fair. um and i think moving on a little bit onto um, let's just say advice section in general we're going to jump out a little bit here and there is that you know, like a, a, as a typical startup, um, you get a lot of advice. You should seek a lot of advice too, because you know you're just in a place where you don't know what to move next, especially in terms of skilling. Most of the people just want to try to make the idea work, and then it start working. Then, like, okay, now what, right? And then you go around asking for advice. I guess um, the question would be more like, how would how would you you know discern good advice versus noise?
1: So I think. This is really up our alley right? and she may have a slightly different opinion, right? Um, but my opinion is as a startup founder, based on what we went through, it's not useful to seek advice, it's useful to seek experiences. And so in other words, don't ask people what I should do because they will never be in the same exact same boat. You should look for people who have gone through what you are about to go through. For example, you're about to sell a company or uh, much earlier stage, you're about to hire your first sales team. Right? Then find a person in a similar industry who actually owns a company like you, who had already hired the first few and hopefully did well, didn't do well, also can. Then ask them what they went through and what you learned from it. Then you internalize what they heard and feed it to your circumstance. Uh, Mm. That's what I would suggest
2: works the best. I think for me, when startups ask me what should I do, I'm like, you should know what you, because the thing is, I believe going through what they've gone through, they have an inkling of what they want to do. It's just that they are not, they're worried about, about making a decision and a commitment for the next step. So actually most of the time my, my answers, my, my question, I, I will post right the question, what are the options you have? And then what are the pros and cons? And then in that, actually you can hear that they actually have a decision. It's just that they need someone to help them point. Yeah, and I guess with somebody echoing back their decisions back to them, they feel more reassured. If it's somebody who really had no clue, I know at the back of my mind I'm like this gone gone case. Yeah, not cut out. Yeah, not cut out. Because the thing is if you are not even willing to make the decision about your next step, um, you can't do anything else. And it may be a wrong decision, but the fact is you sit on indecision is worse
0: mm. yeah I, I mean i fully agree with you you know with me um, just uh, when i remember starting out my wedding planning company right oh my god the name just thinking of the name oh my took me took me a month to do, you know, like, came out with 10 ideas, then you source oh, which one is good, and then it never is, like, one clean answer, and after you decided that it's good, then you go to Accra, I was like, oh, okay, the name is gone. So one month is gone, right? <laughs> and then you went back to the drawing board again, then are like, okay, which one now, and then after that, okay, then you decide, okay, this one, then you want Accra, okay, good, uh, set up now that, now you gotta get a domain. I was like, oh, the domain is gone, and I was like, oh my god, you know, and, and this is like, this a <laughs> big hustle. So, so like, I only did that after two months, so I, I learned the hard way while wow, my mom's nagging at me, like, when that you going got to give me some money, right?
1: <laughs> I think the the best founders are based on literally hundreds I've seen, right? Are those that actually have questions all the time. You're right, right? They question a lot of things all the time regarding their business, not outside their business. And they figure out answers through whichever way they learn best, whether by reading, by just brainstorming internally. And then... Maybe by asking others, but the asking others should not be too often because there's limited social capital you can use to keep asking people things. And if you ask dumb questions, after a while, people will just ignore you. So you, you probably only have, based on our experience, maybe two to three good questions a year to ask people. The rest you should figure out on your own. And then, this my stand. And if you can't figure out on your own, then you're not cut out. Huh?
0: Wow, I, I love it. Two to three good questions a year. <laughs>
2: This approach is very against the current way the, the current um, startup environment is like. Everybody is asking for mentoring and, and whatever, and it's like everybody has like five, six mentors. And I'm just wondering. you a big board of advisors. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just wondering seriously, are you that clueless about what you are working on on a day in, day out basis? Do you really need advice on every single step of your, your move? Yeah. I really. So this is not
1: BS, this is real data. We've invested in 17 companies. If I look at the three that are really doing well, they hardly ask us anything. They'll ask us one, two smart questions a year, maximum. Right? And it's really smart questions, meaning it's strategic stuff. They're talking about critical fundraising topics that they already thought through very carefully. It's just now they're trying to get additional opinions. Right? So everything must be thought through very carefully. Right, and you already know already, roughly, but you just want a confirmation experience or a counter experience to give more color to what you're
2: thinking. Those are the good ones. Those are the real entrepreneurs. The rest... So, on. seriously, I get a lot of... Um, I mean, Facebook and then LinkedIn, some questions. So, I will be... I, I'm, I'm more, I'm a lot nicer than him, so I will always respond. But well, but I always thing, respond also. Yeah, but, yeah, the yeah, the but the thing, I will respond, that, yeah. right? And then the question become more and more... Uh, you, like that you are trying I mean, thinking to you yes yeah. It's like, it your business or my business yeah so then you see me totally drop off the became totally radio saying you know that I ran out of patients right yeah
0: so, so um, uh, Tershing have, have one question to impress and Shining, maybe you have uh, three lah. Yeah, yeah, three lah.
1: <laughs> so, but but really lah, this is something I've observed. And the good entrepreneurs are all like that. They figure out the answers on their own. That's the definition actually of entrepreneur. I do
0: really like uh, what Shining mentioned about how you actually figure out the part of figuring out, which is really to p- firstly start brainstorming with some ideas of execution to solve the problem first, then. Ping those ideas to a pros and cons list, right, and then then you bring that pros and cons list against your objective, and then measure that, and 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 then maybe after having that, then come to uh, uh, your mentors to to ask for added experience advice. Do you think this, it would is that your decision process looking like uh, for this kind of stuff, or is there anything you want to add to?
1: Like I said, there's very limited social capital, right? If you know, if you go to somebody for every small stuff. After a while, that somebody would write you off, actually, right? Um, unless they're incredibly patient.
2: So I think one, the, the I mean, for me, it's more of the experience how I came to that learning myself was because at the start we didn't know how to interview, we didn't know how to hire, so we actually got a veteran business person to help us, and then the person said that oh I will sit down with you and interview together with you, and then after that, that for that particular interview we hired the person, and it, that that. And the person actually gave the green light. But what happened was that, per- that the person who hired India was actually a total nightmare. We had to let go within a month, I think, mm. it just didn't work. And I came to a decision, I came to a conclusion that sometimes people will just be nice and help. But the thing is, end of the day, you live with the, 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 the conclusion and decision. Good and bad. Good mm. or bad. Mm. It's
1: you. But that's why I say I don't believe in asking for advice, I only believe in asking for experience. So, that at the end of the day, the connotation of that is very different. It means mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the decision is still mine. I just wanted your experience. I'm, and then you have no obligation. You have no responsibility. You are not telling me what to do.
0: I think this would be a great uh, highlight of the video when, when people ask you those questions over and When you just look at this video? and...
1: no, <laughs> well, I mean, so this is a very westernized thing. So, this runs at odds with a lot of um, how maybe people, you know, older people like to give advice. So if you have this kind of mindset, literally you're telling me, I don't want your advice, I only want your experience. So if you don't have a similar experience, don't say anything.
2: So, but that part actually requires the individual to be very, very, uh, what's the word to it? You have to be very uh, clear about what your own objective is, so, and then you really have to pay attention to pick up the learning. Because the learning could be something that is totally at odds with what you believe originally, and then you have to be really open-minded, and you have to really listen. Mm. So that part is, I would say, it's more EQ rather than yeah, IQ. Yeah, a lot of listening. Yeah. A mm. lot of times, I think, we cannot hear what the person is sharing. Yeah. Uh, and, and listening to the same story, you would have a different understanding from the way I understood it. 100%. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So, so, so it's really in, a personal. Read, right? like yeah.
1: when, I, when we first sold the company, actually, you feel quite lost. It's standard. You can read it in many texts. they talk about a sense of loss of control, depression. Of course, it's you know all relative, and you can't complain, right? Because you you're doing what most people only dream of. But what I did was I went to grab people that have retired to talk to them, and I found it wasn't super useful because they were too old when they retired, so they really have a right to retire. They are sixty, right? Or sixty plus or fifty plus. So then I managed to grab a guy that's forty you know, say who he is. Uh, very prominent retired uh, at forty three and built a life of investing, doing really investments. So so that that made me realize that it's possible right? to, to do something that way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then to be quite fulfilled yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um,
2: but one advice that he got was to have as many kids as you can. So that's, that's not
1: that you took it to heart, so I guess. It, it
2: wasn't planned. It turned <laughs> out
1: to be right. Yeah. So I've always been mindful that a lot of very successful, by my definition, people, uh, much older, actually all... It's not an advice, but you can see it on their faces. The biggest
2: regret is they don't have enough children, All right? And uh, the biggest joy is their children also, well. yeah. So in that sense, it was uh, it was unplanned, but it happened. Yeah, so I think, think, yeah, number four is keeping us very happy and very <laughs> occupied
0: and very busy now. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh. And, and I, I think you touched on the point on social capital and asking for mentors and, and, and stuff like that, right? And I think just to recap what Dershing mentioned is, is really just to, uh, uh look for the right kind of people to ask. This is also even uh, another important point to, to note here. Because, uh, if you ask people who are too far away on the journey, they might be so far that the advice, whatever they are sharing is just not relevant to, you want to look for people who are maybe two, three steps ahead, uh, of you and, and, and ask some more relevant advice there.
1: For long term strategic things like how many children to have, um, the impact of children, I think you should ask those far, far ahead. Because they are at the tail end of their lives, uh, it would be very interesting reflection. Um, But for tactical things like, yes, sales team, I want to build my sales team. Then talk to someone who has built a business, maybe, you know, let's say you're at half a million turnover, then talk to someone who hit three, four, five million turnover, of course, yeah. You talk to a guy who's running half a billion dollar business, is useless. Yeah, that's correct.
0: Yeah, and uh, let's just go back <laughs> uh, now, uh, back to the to the life story a little bit. Um, and uh, so let's bring it back to when you, uh, shortly after you graduate, you know, uh, both of you landed pretty good jobs, uh, starting your work at a whole bunch of big companies, interning and doing temp work at Sony, who is Sculptons. Oh.
2: I was after a level before oh, I went to the US. Yeah, that was price. no, that was in six, six months, months. <laughs> I was trying to so I did four jobs. Wow. That's concurrently, a lot. That's currently. Yeah, because I want to save money to go to the US. Oh okay yeah. so it's not more it it's was not strategical it was, for a resume. Yeah, it was so that pa- that probably led to the jobs angle oh, that we were doing also because I realized at the time at the age I had no so I'm actually quite shocked. I had no idea what is it like outside. Hmm. Um, so I would take up on the newspaper, they say twelve dollars an hour. Then I'll just go. I just go for the interview, and then the I didn't realize it was a massage parlour, and the lady would actually tell me, "Oh, if people come and check on you because you're very tall, so people can't tell you're under twenty-one, so just keep quiet, just do whatever you're asked to do." And I had no idea what she was talking about. Uh, and then after that, um, so so I was doing four jobs and telemarketing was telemarketing was one of it. I didn't know I was selling. But I became a very good salesperson. I was top time share. Oh, really? I was selling, selling timeshare. So that wow. taught me sales. <laughs> but I was at top sales within like one, two months wow. and then I was promoted to a team leader but I still had no idea what okay, I was see, doing. I, I gotta
0: say that telemarketing is really hard. Yeah. I tried it when uh, I was the same, I think same age after level and I was doing a bank loan it was like the, the worst job ever. Yeah. And I so, I don't know how you do that but it <laughs> but was, it was like some like, kind of like natural talent yeah, going so on there. I, I was really good
2: at it and then I was at Ritz-Carlton. Oh so weekends, I was at Ritz-Carlton um, manning the uh, receptionist Yeah. and then I was working oh. nine to five at Sony and then telemarketing was at night. Then I was teaching tuition. Wow! So I was just trying to save money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then IBM was the first job after I came back. Okay. Yeah, that was okay. that's the only job. I think I stayed there only for ten months. Ten months. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then well, I guess yeah. then that the the real one would be IBM. Is that what it is?
2: Yes.
1: After graduating. After graduating. Yeah. she worked in IBM, then I, I did. 10 months in Samcorp Marine. It's, wait, it's, I've, been yeah. I've, been I've been in Singapore. i been in Singapore. Singapore yeah. So, during that period, actually, we were already hatching the plan for yeah. jobs and for jobs. For yeah, well, yeah. so, I mean, like, diving a little
0: bit into that because, you know, like... What was the impetus that, you know... Because you guys... Okay, fair fair to say that that's both pretty cushy job, right? Like, it's good enough pay for uh, a fresh fresh grad. And, um... So, you know, like, uh, I, I, I what, what was the um, impetus that made you quit the job after... Other months that you're in, or did Dashing sell you on a romantic dream? <laughs>
1: uh, no, no, no romance. Uh. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm a control freak. Uh. So, I mean, I was, uh, my, my youth was a very free spirit. Right? I just do what I want. And I, I usually like to march to my own beat. Uh. I, I really don't believe whatever people say has to be the only way. So even for career, I kind of felt that I need something that I have control over, number one. Uh, Number two, risk-reward ratio has to be there. Um, So working for people, only the CEOs, right, honestly, right, and there's only one, and it requires politics. I didn't realize at that time, that's in hindsight, right, and you need luck. So if you're going to need all that, then you might as well do your own, right, so that's how I thought. And then of course, we were in the US from 96 to 99, It's the first dot-com boom, so it's very infectious. That period, you know, I was trading stocks for fun and all that, it was very infectious, the whole thing. Right, yeah. So so came back I I thought I wanna start a business and
2: really you know yeah. I think for me it was I uh, I wasn't as clear headed as him. It for me it was more of the I knew for some I mean, probably because of my dad, I knew that I was gonna run my own business but I didn't know when. So I'm like most young people, you know, I wanna work a while, then I wanna save money and then I wanna do my own business. I just didn't realise it's gonna come that fast. Uh, but I would say 96 to 99 in the US, you really saw all the dot com stories and internet. So I agree, it's the internet bug that got me. Mm-hmm. And the 10 months in IBM, I learned a lot. So it's actually a very good foundation to where we were. But I didn't like the fact that I had to work Saturdays, Sundays whenever we had an audit or internal thing. And oh, then yeah, it did, and yeah, I got into yeah. a so my job was actually as a business control, it was really like the police person in office oh, and it's not, it's not exactly, nice. yeah. yeah, but I learned a lot. Because of that, I was actually exposed to all functions within IBM itself, within the technology oh, I think that's a very... It's a huge yeah. training ground and that's why my CEO was no joke when he said that my... <laughs> so I didn't even pass my... Prob- I passed my probation... Technically, but for that job, my probation was actually eighteen months. Oh what! So on schedule, I was supposed to spend three months in every function. Okay, so that's like again, you up to speed, right? Yes. So all that I did. How it was actually quite boring because every day I think was just reading processes, reading processes. That's wow. why I guess... But mindset... she's very
1: power, she can come out with damn good processes. And like... So, <laughs> I don't know,
2: because of of the <laughs> months or something, I became a very process-driven yeah. Yeah. mindset. Wow. Yeah,
0: so I... So you look at process and then you, you like change it and then...
2: I'm supposed to charts, audit... I'm supposed yeah. to audit... I mean, that job was auditing <laughs> processes and aud- making sure that there's separation of duty and make sure... Control, control, business control. But I... As a small company, mm-hmm. we start it's two, bus, two of us, two of us, plus maybe two salesperson. What kind of process can you have? Yeah. Basically, you walk a lot of everything. No,
1: but but when we sold the business, or rather towards the end, um, all the processes came in extremely useful, yeah. and, and um, we hardly had problems with due diligence, which is usually a big problem for um, relatively small companies, yeah. right? But because she ran the whole thing so organized, right? So we hardly was had quite, any issues. Yeah, yeah. I think, but I think for, for me, the other big push, the other big pull factor, not push, to start a business was competitiveness. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely competitive.
2: Uh, to the point
1: of obsession. Yeah. So, where I got that is also very strange because I've been very laid back my whole life. Correct, correct. But I think in army, yeah, yeah, I think in army, it triggered me because I realized that there are people that are going to, you know, top universities and you know, and I've always felt that they are no smarter than I am, right? Yeah. So that that really triggered me, right? And I, I, that that became my driving reason for the next 14-15 years. Now it's different again. Now I'm trying my best to dial it down. Because it's not a good life to forever want to win, right? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's asking about why, why yeah. we started. Yeah, yeah. Because no, I mean, I
0: mean it's pretty cushy jobs, you know. We'll just have you talk a little bit about the first idea of how um, Jobs Central is um, and then how it, it became what
1: it is uh, now a little bit. I think to have the abbreviated quick version. Yeah. Um, so we actually started just wanting to run a job model. Yeah. Right, so we call it Jobs Factory. And then We realized that we couldn't scale it up because we didn't manage to raise any VC funds. And there are many reasons for that, but the main one was I think we were a bunch of fresh grads. And uh, at that time, it was the dot com crash. So by the time we really started, it was April 2000, which was the first NASDAQ crash. It dropped from 5,000 to 1,000 plus uh, index. So no one wanted to fund us. So we cut a long story short we were lucky, we managed to pivot. Uh, and we went into uh, campus recruitment business. So basically we took the job boards, the job portals we built, and then provided them for NTU, NUS, SMU, police, ITEs to run for their SMU students.
2: Much later. Yeah. Later oh, like That's I'm trying to squeeze five
1: years in. <laughs> yeah. And then we started to <laughs> publish career magazines, you know, and, and just on the background, What do you mean by helping this school? What so what basically the, every school has their own job portal for their students, right? Yeah. Back in two thousand and one to two thousand and five it was powered by us, uh, more or less. You okay. can just cut short it that way, yeah. right? Yeah. And then essentially we were running career fairs yeah, and then thanks. we were running so after five, six years, we were basically a two, two plus three million dollar business, right? Mm. Um, just providing career camp, uh, services on campuses like in Singapore. From JC all the way to uni, we cover the whole bunch. Yeah. That's essentially the business. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think, uh, just also looking back a little bit, what do you think were the few levels you guys have unlocked You know, in, in the business?
1: What Mm-hmm. As in the gamer terminology, for <laughs> <laughs> well, like a better word, you know, the different the different company stages. Management. Um, I guess you know when a, a, a first company. It, it, yeah, sure. It, it, you, I, you I'm you really mindful, uh, I I know. I mean, we hang around a lot of other entrepreneurs, so there are different scales. I mean, some people build billion-dollar companies, are billionaires. Um, so I think what I feel I've done, and maybe Ning can be slightly, have a different view, is that. I built a business up to what most people would term as a medium-sized, smallish, medium-sized business. By profit, definitely medium because we made a few million profit. Um, but by revenue, it's still a smallish, medium size, as most tech companies are, right? And then we already got out of the game. By selling one means you're out of the game, right? So we stopped there, that's why for the companies um, we invest in. I'm very mindful. We always tell them, I'm good only up to around 100 count. Once you go past 100 account, you need new people who know more.
2: Right? Don't ask me because my experience is not that relevant. Okay. I think it's more of, like I mentioned just now, business make you mature very fast. So I would think that we started when we were 20, 23, 24. So by the time we were 28, 29, I think on the career individual maturing level speaking i think we were most people at age of 40 because of the the way that we got to think the way we got to to manage uh, all aspects of our business we really grew very fast but i think it's good to grow that fast because it really stretched the individual but it also made us realize that Business, end of the day, is just numbers and people. So, like one thing that he mentioned, we are good for startup up to a certain level. So, on one aspect of me, I felt that I've grown a lot, but my experience is lacking in certain areas as well. Like, how literally I don't know politicking, um, we never bothered with it. And in fact, uh, what, 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 what is politicking? As in, in a, in a business environment, one strong skill set, actually, nobody ever say on a resume, but one the strongest skill set for anybody to do well in, in a corporate environment is you need to know how to politic. You need to know how to get into the good books, you need to do all this, it's not just your... It's actually your strongest soft skill that you should have. Wow. But that is something that we never need to, yeah. at least you know, to. we suspect it's the strongest
1: soft skill. Yeah. We could, because we don't have experience, so we also, don't know right or wrong. Yeah.
2: But So outside looking in and then talking to one of my good friends yeah. who is a head of Asia Pact president who just retired, she said that is actually, actually the most important skill, okay. but nobody will ever acknowledge that. Yeah. yeah. But that is something that we never, in a sense, I guess it's by choice and by design. Mm. Um, the company culture, even up to a hundred people, I would, I would say that some people think that you need to have that skill. But for us, actually, it actually was very, very clear and open style that we work with. Mm. So I think, it, in a sense, I grew a lot, but I think I grew in a way that is the way that I'm happy with. Mm. Yeah.
1: And then in 2006, uh, we went back in to do Job Central, which is to compete with Job Street and CV. And by then, we were different, so we already were profitable, we knew how to roughly run. We still didn't know a lot of things, but um, we gave a good shot, and we were quite fortunate. Right? The next five years, we grew at twice their speed in Singapore for five years consecutive. So by the time we hit maybe 2011, 2012, we were pretty neck-to-neck, maybe still a little bit behind that. But by revenue, we were definitely quite close, really.
2: So there's one thing about uh, luck i would i say that we're very lucky in every turn of events. So a lot of people believe a lot of people actually believe that success has nothing to do with luck. It's more of your personal ambition. But from our perspective, actually it's both your personal effort and the luck. Because if things like if we didn't call our job something, we probably would have a hard time getting into the market because every player was that like that. So there was a certain confusion. So, it actually allowed us to enter a lot better. If we didn't have that reminder from my business school, we wouldn't know how to pivot our business. If we didn't have that, was the one that triggered us. That's what the triggered developers. us to move our whole
0: yeah. Actually, a little bit on that, because you guys have also have tried uh, a, a lot of models, uh, revenue models in that sense, right? And I think one thing I, I want to highlight over here is that, Xioning, um, um you mentioned a little bit that you were. Really quick in running those tests, and so how do you how do you how do you structure those tests to run? How do you?
1: It wasn't that structured. So we, we tried to do, uh, for example, recruitment agency. Yeah, he's referring to those. Oh, so okay. it, it wasn't that structured. We just tried it for a few months, and we realized that hey, it doesn't make sense. We are spending much more than we are making. Yeah. so close it down
2: uh. so, this is so why you
1: started another division to do that or it's not a division yeah, uh, come right. up when a company is so small it's just basically you hire three people and go and try, they it, try. It, right? Yeah. try yeah.
2: and also part yeah. of the thing is actually we were so I think one key factor we, one key advantage we have is we really just look at the numbers and make decisions we don't step over it so yeah, really on the spot we're very very clear this number means it's not working out, and then you just have to cut it short. You know? mm. And the yeah. difference is when you're not VC funded, you literally have to be cash flow
1: positive mm. in almost everything you do, mm. which imposes a lot of constraints, but also discipline, right? So it's double edged sword. Yeah.
0: I I read a little bit about uh, well, we talk we talk about hiring over there, right? I think um, how 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 does your first hiring process look like versus how they evolve uh, through the years?
2: Mm. I think my hiring, my hiring mentality is the same. So when we start up, even though we're from top schools, we can't expect top school graduates to join us because I just can't afford it, right? And I don't have the brand. So at the start, the way we hire, we don't even have an office. And then after we had an office, we couldn't interview our office. Nobody would come to our office for interview. Okay, so we the way we hire really is really pitching to the startup once I meet the basic requirement I will pitch you so that you'll be willing to join me the potential employer to join us so it's really painting the picture and making sure that you believe that I will work with you to hit what you want to hit So so I don't believe in paying the top dollars to try to top to grab the top talent, I believe as long as a minimum is there, you believe in me, I believe in you, we can work something out. Mm. That's still my style. So the way we the evolved the business
1: was to actually always have clearly defined roles and clearly defined goals for each of the roles through a performance review process. That's where all the IBM thing was very useful. And and therefore, we don't need the best of the class for everyone. Right? I like to think my management team was best of the class. But that's good enough already. It's right? only when we're much, much larger, then, yeah we start to hire, hire SNU grads and US grads. Otherwise, before that, it was whoever wanted to go to us. We make sure that we design the role such that
2: you can do a good job,
1: right? And then we move on from
2: there. And I believe everybody has the, the potential beyond the academic paper. Mm, yeah, that's why, course. for me, yeah. I don't believe and in that, I some believe that do you look for? Do you look for grit? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. How do you How do you test when for you're for Depends on the positions that you're looking for.
1: Right. Yeah. How do you test for grid? Grid is very important for sales roles. So, we we don't test for it, but we look at what they, at least for me, I look at what they used to work as, right? If they've consistently done okay in sales or excel in sales, and they did the shitty sales stuff, like retail, standing there all day long selling shoes, or telemarketers, like you said. Um, and yet the balance is some salespeople also tend to be extremely greedy. They, they, that's why they're doing sales. So we our culture was that we wanted people that not all about me. It's okay that my team wins and so long as I'm rewarded, it's alright. So we mm-hmm. wanted that kind of balance, right? Yeah. So the academics were one of the least things that mattered
2: for sales, right? Yeah. But I would say for other functions like my product people, the uh, designer, those we need more better thinkers, yeah. Then, yeah. So the thinking quality that is important, but it need not be a technical academic.
0: And how do you then look for the thinking quality? Because if they're just graduated, they might not have any. Easy. Yes,
2: it's that same out So you yeah. know, nowadays for startups, <laughs> it's very common to have the product level. Yeah. For the longest time, you can't, it can't find product people in the market. Yeah. So we have that to was we have to so buy a higher, like fresh kids, grant right? and then we figure out how to train them. And so another thing that we look for is resourcefulness. Um, they are it's very clear for some people during the, the interview through the stories they share, right? They really bounce from idea to idea because they can't persist. Mm. And they don't figure out how to go around to go deep in what they really wanted to do. But some you really could tell.
0: How how do you tell that?
2: So like typically I ask about the CCAs. ECAs or what they do outside of school or their FYP, when they have a problem, how do they go deep to solve the problem. Mm. Yeah, a lot of, you will, you hear a lot of superficial stories, so you have to really go. So that's why we developed the term the bullshit meter, right? You must be able to read beyond that. Mm. Yeah. So we tended to hire young, fresh or
1: near fresh, uh, it was only towards the tail end of the business. I mean, not, the business still running very well, but I mean, when we were there. Maybe 2011, 2012, Then we started to hire very senior people, our profile type, right, or older than us to run certain functions right? mm. because their industrial experience really
0: helps. Then they help bring in more processes. Yeah. But also, I mean, with uni students, um, they are also very like uh, try to be professional about that. Like, then uh, then you know, then there's there's bullshit also involved in that a little bit, right? Um, um, how do you, do you break that down? Do you try to break that down during the interview?
2: Listening. It's really exciting.
1: Yeah. So after a while, your pushing meter gets very refined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how to say yeah, this. Yeah. It's, it's, so so it's, we are not so processed. I mean, we have processes. There's always a second interview, right? Okay. We do reference checks. But I think it still boils down to the, the feeling you get, especially when it's a young graduate. You can't really... It's not that much experience mm. to back on, mm. or data to back on, right? You can't say how much did you sell the last five years. You can't do that, right?
0: How, how how does your pitching to the, the graduates sort of look like? So once you decided that, like, I want to hire, and how then you...
2: So I think one thing that worked very well is actually... Sell you sell the culture. You the culture, and we also be very clear, this is what we can make sure we deliver in the next two to three years, and then we explain the style we work with. And it's very clear that we don't want someone who is just purely driven by money. And I always saw the idea that we are a mini, we are a SSME, the super small type. So when you are here, if interested to learn, I'm more than happy to rotate you around the roles. So I'm trying to, I, I try to look for the people who are flexible and eager to learn that.
1: Mm. Yeah. and we we had work-life balance. We are very rare. Uh tech company so that have we nine, to, nine to five official working hours. Wow. Yes. Nine to five but not to six. And mm-hmm. then most people if you knock off at 530, mm-hmm. 5, you are fine so long as you hit all your numbers. So right. long as you're achieving what you're supposed to. So very mm-hmm. metric driven, objective driven, mm-hmm. work life balance, uh, young mm-hmm. audience, sexy area. Mm-hmm. So I I think by and large we didn't have much problem recruiting, especially since we are job board. We literally got a million people to pick from. Mm-hmm. You know
2: <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah. So, that was one of the Actually big advantages. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So we I think we save yeah. a lot of resources. Yeah, right. But right. I think also the <laughs> other approach that uh that stuck with us was actually we're very fast yeah. to act on non performance. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Because it it totally that is fast, actually yeah. the so so I don't I, I, so new managers always have a hard time uh, accepting that to feel that we really just kill off very fast. How do you kill people? So we don't kill people. Off. Basically it's just within first month you know it's not working out for Okay, both so side. first
1: month is the, the speed yeah. you're talking so about. So it's one to two months. Uh, six weeks.
2: Uh, yeah, yes. one to two months. Because I think it's only fair to the other party to let them know that you're not working out. Mm. Right? I mean So you if,
1: give first warning yellow card, then yellow card one to two months and anyway one to two months doesn't affect their job search. Yes. They, they can then search for a new job and they looked as though they didn't do anything in between. It's so all mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if you agree, like, I feel I like feel starting a business is really hard. <laughs> uh, and I recently took on, took, took on the stance not telling people not to start a business, right? And I, I know, uh, Shining, you have a personal mission to promote women entrepreneurship here, and you're uh, doing a lot of startup work. Um, what is the take on this? You know, like, when should a person consider, like, you know, you should be an entrepreneur and when uh, you should not? Are there any litmus tests that you have for, for this? Um, I, I
2: think it's actually a career choice. So the way that you would think about being an accountant, being an engineer, being, so it's actually one option that everyone should consider. It's just that for this consideration, you've got to go a step further and realize it has a very huge implication on your lifestyle. And it's actually not that scary, but that somehow because of maybe the, the failure stories and people tend to paint it in a much darker shade. Yeah. But it's actually an, an experience that I think, like I say, you learn a lot and personality wise and obligation, also obligation, maybe i talk about obligation first. Obligations, one one must realize that if you have an obligation towards your family, it's definitely not a path for you. Because if that's say the family expects you to bring back the door for the first, the minute you graduate, then it's definitely not a path. Because I think in the first two years, you cannot expect any positive games. So it's something that you need to be very practical about. And then another thing is if you are not someone who can handle feedback and you are not someone who is fond of personal reflection, then maybe it's not a good path because you can't learn. Mm. Yeah. My, my feel is that we
1: need a lot more entrepreneurs in Singapore, we don't have enough. Okay. Right, um, quality ones, especially. Uh, but having said that, I think also that maybe only a small percentage of the population is suitable. So, the usual traits I've noticed for those that succeed uh, hyper competitive, um, obsessive, control freaks, um, sometimes also very outsized egos, but not always. Uh, it's just general traits. And um, you have to be very honest with yourself uh, whether it's is your family going to support this effort? Mm. If your family is not going to support this method, are you prepared to not have that family, right? Um, and that's assuming you are that kind of single-minded, determined guy or lady, uh, which the successful ones tend to be like that. So, so it's a very for. I think for me, I think we're very lucky in the sense that our experience was very positive. We hardly had many really big setbacks, and we managed to build a family at the same time. So mm. I'm very mindful that it's luck. Like, Right. So not everyone will be the same. So while it's a great personal learning and development if you succeed, you must also remember that those who fail sometimes take it very badly. Mm-hmm. So I think the key thing is to go in with your eyes wide open. So if you really have the drive to create something, you want to prove a point, whichever is your motivation, you want to win everyone, everyone's motivation is different but it's around these parameters. Then. You know, go and do it, but do it with your eyes wide open. Uh, that you know the price you're gonna pay, and at what point you are willing to stop or walk away, right? Um, and to what end are you trying to do? Are you, you know? And, and this will evolve over time. Sometimes when you build a business, you will say, oh, you know, I just want to build enough. Once I uh, hit, you know, make twenty million, thirty million dollars, I'll quit. Some people will say when they hit that then they will say, No, I start to hang out with people who are worth a few hundred million. It's a moving right? target. <laughs> it's a moving target. Um, so it's a journey of personal discovery at the same time. Very meaningful from a personal standpoint. I'm not so sure it's very meaningful for a good family. Yeah. Right? It's actually a very selfish thing to yeah. run a business. With. But as a nation, we need tons of them, because otherwise I cannot see how our economy is going to continue growing. This whole MNC <laughs> strategy seems to work, but we need another leg. So we need our SMEs to be picking yeah. up the slack, picking yeah. up their fair share of the economy. So from nation yeah. nation's standpoint, we definitely need far more entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Okay. Do we still have time yes. for one last yeah, sure. question? Yeah, yeah, maybe the okay. last one. We yes. need to pick up 11.45, yeah. so we have to go. Okay.
0: Okay, so um, this is more uh, for Xiaoning, but this is actually what Xion, uh, uh you, you spoke about two interesting rules that Tersheng uh, uh, teach you and you guys are uh, a couple. One is like, you know, only go on holiday if you have profited from uh, stocks and equity investment. And then the, time, uh. the, the second yeah, the, the second was only buy things from people, oh, yeah. That's who, how... who, who buy from us.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this shows how obsessive we were. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, maybe, maybe, Why don't you why don't you expand on this a little bit? Because it's, it's probably it's just a joke, lah. Actually, for me, it's more for fun. I like to set little weird things like that, just to remind the attitude behind it. It's the attitude that I'm talking about. Right? It's the attitude that I will spend what you really can afford to spend. That's for the first one. But the second one is actually more of the attitude to say that you know. I want to give goodwill back to people who give me goodwill. And then if I want to drink Starbucks, then I better make sure I get Starbucks on board. Otherwise, I can only drink coffee beans, <laughs> which was what was happening for a short while. Oh. <laughs> no, but but it's, a, it's an attitude because it's not so much for us. It's when these things go out and the sales team is hearing it, then they realize that these bosses really live really and breathe the business. Yeah. The business is life. Yeah. And I think the ones that succeed all behave that way. Until
2: you have a lot of capital. Oh, yeah. Then difficult. Then you become a capitalist and an investor. So so I think yeah. our staff really appreciate this as well. Initially so so it's a joke. So yeah. it's a <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was one time during sales meeting I thought that hey can you please make sure these customers buy otherwise we are forever confined to and at you cannot buy co-storage please help me otherwise my Maybe kids have nothing to give <laughs> so, so then, then the sales start realising we had this private <laughs> okay. yardstick thing yeah, so they yeah. thought it was interesting but then after that you know it became a, a way for
0: them to function as well. and then and, 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 you also have a lot of this like simplified rule of engagement right and this like overarching you know philosophy to life uh, uh, and then simplifying that to this how do you uh, use this philosophy to day-to-day life um how do you how, I mean, how do you develop these rules and are there any things i mean it's pretty open uh white question but uh, acquire this knowledge and and develop this in this rule, rule of engagement
1: what do you mean, rule of
0: engagement? So, so it's kind of like maybe the extract thing is uh, um uh, we need to hit our sales target right and then like then you distill it down to this the rules of how we should engage with our uh, we should never drink uh, Starbucks because they haven't got from us yet. So this is sort of like how you
1: translate a big picture objective to a, 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 a actionable... Uh... No, it's not conscious. It's not. Uh, oh, okay. I, So I don't think I consciously do all that. It's just <laughs> very simple. Like, I don't like to pay you if you're not paying me. It's a very basic <laughs> human attitude, all right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so, not sure if I'm uh, yeah, a Don't that. So <laughs> no, no, but if you're running a consumer, B2B, a B2B consumer. business, is yeah. possible the way we were Because we are selling to employers. Yeah, Almost yeah. everyone mm-hmm. needs to recruit.
2: Yeah. So,
1: it's really possible to okay. only pay those who pay me. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And Charlie, you, you, you also mentioned that you were a poor communicator uh, back then, you know, and attention and, and taught you a little bit about that.
2: Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, um,
0: so, so, maybe maybe you want to talk about, like, why do you think you're a poor communicator? Because I assume you, you know, you go to business school and you do a lot of presentation and you're probably good at, you know, giving uh, pictures and of, all that.
2: More of communicating my personal thoughts. Actually, so business, ideas. business ideas and everything I have no problem. But I have problem communicating my think my feelings. Ah, yes. yeah, yeah, so it's the I think it's the I think go back to the the, the, the way I was brought up, you are not expected to express your feelings. Yeah. You are not so it's more I would say Taiwanese culture yes. that feelings do not really matter and then you are always looking up towards your parents for how things are done and just take the cue mm. so your personal feelings do not matter so let alone talking about expressing your personal feelings so I couldn't express how I feel most of the time mm. but business ideas no problem yeah, she, it's in more business I think she communicates very well yeah, mm. right? yeah. it's how you express how you feel about certain things and then when emotions come in sometimes it's very hard to be logical so that part is something that I'm really learning
0: did you did you know it beforehand or did, did the or so shine the light on the
2: so i was shut down okay. I'll, I'll really shut down don't talk to me i'll just walk away then he said like, no no that's not acceptable yeah so so, so within the couplehood, i learned a lot from him about you know really got to sit down and really so business a lot of times is a b c d but mm. when it comes to feelings i don't have a b c d it's just the whole gush of things and then a lot of times you cannot manage that. Mm. So it's, he taught me to be very systematic about even uh, regarding feelings and... and
0: I'm curious to you know how did uh, Zha teach you that?
2: No, because, not,
1: because I think so it's osmosis, now, right? And yeah. sheer persistence. Yeah. No, because I don't believe in up stuff. I'm very westernized that way, so I believe in being very open, open book. Just say exactly what you think, mm. right? You love each other because of the openness and because of you know exactly what each person is thinking, right? Yeah. So then I also believe in extending that to everyone else to some extent, right? And
2: I think yeah. that's where that's she where she will bottle out a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the whales. I mean things around me when we we're young was actually a lot of things were not good, but it were just swept under the carpet and then nobody deals with it and then just one day things just erupt and then it just explode and then you just pick up the pieces from there. So it's it's not healthy and I learned that and you don't, especially the negative feelings, sometimes if, if you do not express it, the other party will not understand. Mm. And, and all the more about the positive, so positive feelings, are, so negative feelings are very good at Even expressing positive it you don't And express, positive feelings, yeah. I have problems showing it, so I'm a, pretty cold in that sense. Yeah. So I'm looking at my youngest one, he will actually tell me, I'm so excited about this, I really like it. So So to me, it's eye opening to see how he, at this age, he starts to express how he feels. Okay. I, I still can't do it. Huh. Yeah. And, 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 and
0: and you learn it just by, you know, pure amount of times yeah, that, 20, that that, that really happens.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've been together...
1: 50 over years, really. Right.
2: 21 years. 21
1: years. So the yeah. thing you don't just, like, sort of point it out and make her aware of it, or more... I used to, but now no more. I don't yeah, know it no yeah, to, me. to read I guess that.
2: he yeah. learned how to read me. I know how to read him. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Okay, so shall we end on that? No, uh, where can people uh, find you guys on the uh, interwebs? Uh, um, I have
1: a blog, right? Mm. Um, yeah, so under limdershing.blogspot.com. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, just find me on Facebook. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, I it LinkedIn,
2: on, LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn, LinkedIn.
0: LinkedIn, LinkedIn. <laughs> What's up, people? It's over. As usual, all show notes, links, books can be found on the website, brienvictor.com. Brian with and if you have any misfits you'd like to hear from, feel free to drop me an email. Again, thank you so much for giving me your time and uh, listening to this episode. I really, really appreciate that. And I hope you guys have a fantastic week ahead.